Hi, my name is Chris Newland. I'm a licensed professional counselor and a registered board certified art therapist and a mixed media artist. And I enjoyed hanging out with Huang today and just talking about um, the impact of mental health and art, both on an individual scale and a larger scale in the community. And we ended everything talking about pizza. And so we had a great time and it was fun to be part of the show today. I'm gonna stand I won't be seated Wanna hold my head up high and stay undefeated If I need moments on this part Cause I'm American by the grace of my good God Welcome back to the Undefeated Show, Defining Moments podcast. We're located here in the Triple B of OKC in Kyle Golding's beautiful studio. Today's episode is brought to you by our awesome sponsors, MND Drilling out of Waller, Texas. Today's very special guest is a licensed professional counselor, registered, board certified art therapist for over 25 years. Chris Newland, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Before we kick things off, we have a little gift for you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. On the bottom of that is a code to our website, and that's a lifetime discount oh, that's for all of cool. our items on our show. I love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So before we dive into your story, because from what I understand, your story is super amazing because it's a lot of detail. But before that, number one, how's your family and how did you start your morning? Okay, how's my family? My family's good. I have a son who's in college at UCO. Yeah. My husband and I are happily married. Love him. He's great. My biggest supporter. And my daughter, I hope, is homeschooling herself right now because she's in eighth grade. <laughs> and that's typically what I'd be doing this afternoon. But I'm here with you. Awesome. So. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So how did you start your morning? How did I start my morning? I started my morning um, in a really fun way, actually. Last year, I got a grant from the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center. Mm -hmm. And so this year, I got to mentor one of the finalists for the grant this year. Yeah. And she's an amazing young lady. So I got to spend the morning having coffee with her and talking about her project and giving her tips for her presentation. So that was super exciting. Yeah. I love it. I can tell you're artistic. You got green streaks in your hair and <laughs> you have some super cool J's on. Yeah. That, I, these are thanks to my son. Did he, he design those? He did not, but he told me I had to have them and he was right. I fought him on it for a little while. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. So they're, they're cool. They look like paint splattered Jordans. Yeah. They're so, awesome. Yeah. Mainly white with gold trim and of course, the iconic Jumpman logo. Yeah, those were meant to be mine, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So how do you take your coffee? You talk about coffee. I'm I take my guy. coffee like it's a dessert. I, you know, I probably bring shame to true coffee drinkers because mm. mine's just like, you know, basically cake in a cup. Okay, so a lot of calories, so, a lot of sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's a meal, basically, probably. Mm. With it. I don't even want to know the calorie count by the time I put all the goodies in there. No, it's yeah. <laughs> where, where do you get your coffee from? Like um, you know, I'm really a at home coffee drink. I'm an introvert, so no way. Um, I am. So you know, this morning I ventured out. We went to Woodshed 
coffee. There's a little plug for Woodshed. It was really delicious. Okay. So I don't, I'm, but I, I have trouble. I, maybe I'm a cheapskate. I have trouble like shelling out six, seven dollars for a cup of coffee. Yeah, so I, I am with you. I will go to OnQ and get yeah. myself a large coffee, black. For a dollar thirty nine, I'm good to there go. There you go. See, it's cheaper if you don't get the works, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in paying uh, five bucks or six bucks for even a tall or large coffee from some of these franchises. Yeah, yeah. My husband and I have been married for 14 years, and he thought that he could probably change me to be just a drink my coffee black and drink beer, mm. and I refuse to do either. So. Yeah. The one place that maybe he's disappointed in <laughs> our relationship. <laughs> That's funny. You, you say you're an introvert. Mm -hmm. How do you classify yourself and define yourself as an introvert? Okay. So it always throws people off. My best friend since middle school is like, you're absolutely not an introvert. I throw people off because I love people. Mm. So, um, and I love stories. So I, I love what you do listening to people's stories. That's what I do as a counselor. So that that trips people up that I love spending time with people, but I also really like to kind of pull back and I like to be quiet. I like to be alone. <laughs> I like to hang out in my art studio. Yeah. So that's how I classify myself as an introvert. That's how I recharge. Okay. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just dive into your story and your journey. Okay. Um, where do you want me to start? Wherever you like to start, Chris. Okay, let's see. I've I've been a counselor in LPC and an art therapist for 28 years. I did the math the other day and that was a little alarming. I was like, wow, that makes you feel old when you've been kicking around in a career for that long. But um I've all like I said, I've always been drawn to people and their stories. I just like connecting with people in that way. So it's it's a real honoring job to get to be invited into people's lives and have them share just their experiences and often some of the hardest things they've ever had to walk through. Mm -hmm. So I love my job. I love the art component because honestly, it's a tough job because you're hearing sad stories and stories of struggle. Tell people I have like a front row seat to hard things and heartache, but I also have a front row seat to the hope and the healing and, but art softens it mm -hmm. to get to use art every day and help people work through their feelings with art. That's yeah. really cool. How, how do you combine art with counseling? So it's just, it's almost used like a language, like color stories and, um, just how they draw something. If they have a huge piece of paper and draw something very tiny on it, that might tell something about their experience and how they're seeing whatever it is in life that they're trying to work through. And different colors mean different things to people. So they, they almost use it as a language, mm. like use the art to say things that are hard to put into words. You know, here's how I explain it to people. Have you ever had a nightmare and you try to tell somebody else about it and you're like, oh, no, because you're trying to put it into words and really capture what was so scary about it. Mm -hmm. And you just 
you don't know if you're going to be able to help the other person really get it. What was so scary about this? Um, so sometimes putting those things in images, since typically we store scary things in images, to put it back into image form can sometimes just help really put it out there and help somebody else understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so these images and these colors are, it's a nonverbal way to communicate their thoughts and their ideas with right. you. Right. And it just, it also just inherently serves the purpose of taking something that you're carrying around inside of you and putting it outside of you. And then when you talk to the therapist about it, suddenly you're talking about this piece of paper or this, you know, painting or piece of piece of clay, whatever you've made. Now you're talking about it. So it's taking something internal and externalizing it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah. What was that moment that got you into counseling? And then how did you collaborate that with the art? What made you think of that? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I was a psychology major at OU. Okay. And this lady named Joan Phillips came to speak to my psychology class. And I had never heard of art therapy before. This is like in the early 90s. And I thought, art therapy, like, it just immediately I thought I got to learn more about this so she invited me to this conference they were having nobody was teaching art therapy courses at, at OU at that time so um, after this conference I actually left OU and started going to school at UCO because that's where she was teaching and she became my college professor my mentor when I graduated from college she became um just a friend and a colleague. Eventually, I went into private practice with her. We taught together in, at OU until she passed away. Mm -hmm. So, so interesting that one moment in life, that was a defining moment. Yeah. Just, just a guest speaker that day in class. And, you know, it led to my career and your journey. Our, yeah. Yeah. And our connection as friends. Yeah. But, did you ever, you, so you took psychology at OU. Mm -hmm. I don't know if psychology or sociology, but do you remember a professor by the name of Charlie Clay? Charlie Clay. No, I don't. No, okay. No? Yeah, because he was, he might have been sociology, so I took him. Okay. He was a sociology teacher, and so I didn't know there was a correlation there. But you taught at OU. I did. Yeah. I taught there for 16 years in the art department. How was that? It was interesting. I I did love my students and I love teaching. It was interesting because art therapy, there's no um, like art therapy program in the state of Oklahoma. So really it was students who were just taking the class for an upper division elective credit and honestly for a fun, you know, <laughs> pretty easy upper division elective mm -hmm. credit. And, I, you know, I don't think learning has to be hard or painful or sure. anything. I actually think it works best when it's fun and interesting and engaging. So I loved that I had really diverse students because mm -hmm. they were hardly anybody wanted to actually be an art therapist. They just were taking the class to yeah. check a box on their degree sheet. Um, the great thing about that is I really do think they learned a lot about themselves because they would do art experientials in class. And so 
they would process things. And that was always fascinating. And then they would learn a lot about just mental health struggles, nonprofits that we have in our state that are trying to serve people. We have a lot of um, struggles in our state. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I would take students and connect them up with nonprofits and we'd paint murals in the community or we made blankets for the homeless one year. We made um, journals for the kids at Mary Abbott House who have to go and they've either been a victim of a crime or witnessed a crime. We made little art therapy journals for them. We, um, and we made journals for uh, kids all over Norman, like at uh, oh, Children's Recovery Center. We drop off journals there, Bethesda. So they got a chance to actually connect with nonprofits and people who are using art in their work with mm -hmm. um, mental health and behavioral issues and all sorts of things. So it yeah. was fun. They, they got to see an impact. Yeah, of yeah. course. So of course. I do. I miss my students. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you talk about impact, you know, I, mental health is a big issue and it is right. a real thing. So what are your thoughts on mental health, the state of mental health now and just even three, four years ago to mm -hmm. now? And then where are some things or solutions from your point of view to tackle that? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it's a difficult question to answer because I see a lot of good and maybe not so good things going on in mental health. Um, I think it is good that I think mental health has finally become mainstream enough that maybe at least some of the stigma has been taken out of um, saying, you know, I, I go to counseling or mm. um, I struggle with anxiety or you know, I had to overcome addiction. It, it's a little bit more accepted in society to be able to say those things and not be judged for it, I mm. think, um, at least in some circles, sure. maybe not all. Um, yeah. One thing that I think is tricky is that we've started to throw around mental health diagnoses and things in a real nonchalant way. Mm. And not really um, in maybe a respectful or meaningful way. Yeah. So like to say, uh, you know, oh, man, they were out of, you know, the coffee drink I want. I'm so depressed. Mm. Or, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, just using terms like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. We will say that like, oh, I'm so OCD about that. or I'm. Um, you know, or my anxiety is sky high, but it's not like the diagnosable sure. anxiety. So it's just, it's interesting how it, it's hard to say how all that's going to play out. Yeah. What, how that will impact how people see mental health. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought a few of those comments up because I do believe, obviously, mental health like I stated, it is a real thing. However, sometimes I feel like it's a lazy blanket statement for others to take advantage of saying certain phrases to draw attention. Right. And it draws attention from the humans that really do suffer from. Right. Right. Lot. So there's a big difference from 
feeling disappointed and sad to someone who's clinically depressed sure. or um for you know i was nervous to do this today mm -hmm. but that's not the same as clinical anxiety sure. so yeah that can be dismissive of people who really do suffer with some major mental illnesses and yeah so it, you know it's a i guess it's about a balance of i'm i'm glad that mental health is starting to be taken seriously and people um are seeking help more that that's a good thing um but yeah just to hopefully have the respect for people who are really struggling with some major life issues yeah yeah and don't yeah. take advantage of the situation and draw away from the real side of mental health issues. right right yeah oh. i agree i agree what are some of the projects that uh, you created or been a part of the last few years that you're really excited and proud of? Well, I guess um, probably when I started teaching at OU is when I really got interested in how to take what we were learning in the classroom and and put it out in the community and to make that connection of what does art therapy really look like out in the community. And because of confidentiality, I couldn't really you know, let my students see art therapy sessions or, um, you know, there's privacy issues there. Mm -hmm. But what we could do was try to use art in a way that made a positive impact in the community. So more like therapeutic arts projects. And so that's how it began. And to do therapeutic murals and nonprofits that show the kind of work they're doing. And sometimes it would even have, um, like at Bethesda one year, we painted fight, flight, and freeze on the wall. And so to help their clients really understand what, what does that look like when you're in a scary place and you really are like in survival mode. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it really was taking the type of treatment they do and putting it into art. And I realized how much I love that. Like it's, it's great to do individual art therapy sessions or work with families or small groups, but there was something really exciting about doing art that made a large scale impact mm -hmm. all at once, you know? So um, once I got a taste of that, I just couldn't stop. And I started looking for opportunities to do that. So when my husband and I got married, um, actually on the flight to our honeymoon was in Portland, Oregon. So on the flight to Oregon, we're talking about our neighborhood in Norman had a lot of um, transient people and um, people who were unhoused uh, just based on where we were located because we were between food and shelter for friends and um, the Salvation Army. We were across the street from a city bus stop and a block away from the Greyhound bus stop. And so if somebody got out of Lexington prison, mm. the first bus stop they'd come to would be the bus stop, like just a block from our house. Yeah. So if you didn't know where you wanted to go, you might right. just get off at the first bus stop. So because of that, we just had a lot of interesting folks in our neighborhood. And, and some of them were so much a part of our neighborhood, like, they were our neighbors. They didn't live in houses, but we saw them like mm -hmm. every day. And 
talk to them. And so I'm like, what does this mean for us? What is, and what does it look like to be a good neighbor in this particular situation? What is, you know, what's our place in this? What's our responsibility? And so we kind of jokingly came up with this idea that we would have, he's a musician. So I'm like, well, I can like make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like that's pretty cost efficient food Mm -hmm. to pass out. And he's like, well, I could play the guitar in the park and we could call it peanut butter and jelly jam. I'll jam. You make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Maybe that's how we're good neighbors. And so we thought we were kidding. And then um, neither one of us could let go of it. We were like, maybe, maybe we should really do this. Mm -hmm. So we asked some people in the community, we got our church involved. We, um, we talked to like all sorts of people about, you know, Hey, do you have any sound equipment we can borrow? We don't have any money. This is all free. We're just doing this out of the goodness of our heart. And people like rallied. Mm -hmm. And so for three years, we did this huge community picnic, made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Every year it grew. We um, started collecting clothing and doing little pop-up shops. And so I think my, my husband and I have a similar personality trait. We, we like to find solutions to problems. Mm-hmm. We, it's just kind of the way we're wired. We, um, you know, we like to, we lived in an old house for a while. We like to redo houses and we like to, you know, just fix things up, make things better. So we just do that in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think we're always looking at situations and thinking, what's a creative way to make a difference there? How can we impact that? And so a lot of the projects just stem from that. It's just a moment where we're like, hey, I wonder, like, I did a project at the Oklahoma History Museum with Shannon Hazen, and I had gone to this conference, this women's conference, and Shannon was a guest speaker and told her story, which is just a heart-wrenching story of losing her child and um it was a cold case and her daughter was assumed to be murdered but Mm. um they never found her remains and at the time that she gave the talk she they didn't even really have a clear person of interest or anything it was like a really cold case and um it had been you know at the moment it was solved i'm not sure i think it might have been like 19 years since the incident of her daughter being taken to the solving of the case maybe more i don't know the exact amount but a long time um and just a long time with unanswered questions um so i was so moved by her story that after she spoke the only thing i could think of to say is you know, if you ever want a piece of art, um, I'd love to do, you know, a drawing of Kristen or um, if if that's something you'd like. And so I did, but then she came to me later and said, I would like for you to do for other families what you did for me. Like, I would like for you to help me find artists to pair with other families, homicide survivors, and do art of their loved ones. So 
that just kind of spiraled into an art show where we did. We paired art therapists or local artists with the family, and then it became a whole art show at the Oklahoma History Center. So wow. it really is kind of stumbling on little small things, and then they become big things just by other people feeling passionate about it too and coming alongside and going, well, we'll do this too. We'll be a part of it. Yeah. So that's awesome. So passion, curiosity, solutions driven, growth. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. So you create art for homicide uh, victims' families. Is that? Yes. Um, so I have for several families and um it's actually some of my favorite work uh-huh. because um well first of all it's just it's incredibly honoring to get to do that to uh-huh. be trusted to do that it's also um it's very spiritual for me to get to uh just sit with someone's loved one you, you know it's a great amount of loss but the love is even bigger and so it's it's kind of a beautiful experience to get to try to capture the personality and the relationship and the love of the person that was lost so yeah how how do you capture the personality and the relationship of the lost to -hmm. connect them with the family um i listen to their stories and try to listen to the character of the person that they're describing because they will they love to talk about the person that they lost they they want to keep that person's memory alive and so they want to tell those stories and so they do and um and those stories really do bring the it it, bring the photograph or whatever i'm working from it really does bring it to life to know Mm -hmm. like oh they laugh so loud everybody in the room would turn around and i'm like well i want to try to put that exuberance and or um, they were just so peaceful. Then, you know, it, a lot of times it's just kind of trying to be intuitive about how do you capture those personality traits through paint and drawing. And it's a, it, I, it sounds strange to say, but it's, it's a, um, it's a really, it's a creative challenge I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I like it. So, um, of course, I'm heartbroken that they've suffered so much pain, but I'm glad that I get to be part of the healing process. So, yeah. 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 I don't think that's stranger. I think that's really freaking amazing, to be honest. Well, thanks. I I love what I get to do. One time, this little girl, I was working with like a five year old kid, and she was like, Let me get this right. You listen to people's stories and do art all day, and they pay you. And I was like, well, when you put it that way, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. 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 That is. And, and beside the money, it's just the the feeling you get to connect and right. keep the connection for the family. Yeah. Super oh, important. and for the homicide survivors, I should say, I do not charge. Mm. That is um, something I just feel strongly pulled to do. And yeah. that was what I got. The grant for last year i called it the people of the prairie project i got to do a couple of portraits of survivors i have also partnered with other nonprofits. there's a credit union that will loan money to um people who have been in prison 
I guess not every bank will. They don't see them as a sure bet. And this credit union says they're the best bets. They are so um, wanting to get their life back and get on track and rebuild and um, have someone put trust and faith in them that mm-hmm. they're they are really good at repaying their loans and everything. So, so that's awesome. I get to do a little portrait of a family who's kind of gotten back on their feet and. And this credit union is a part of that story. I get to do a portrait of a girl and a horse for the House of Hope and Healing and mm-hmm. kind of the El Reno area. And they work with teenagers and help them with self-esteem issues and different kinds of struggles. And so uh, I just get to partner with these nonprofits and kind of help highlight what they do and capture a success story, I mm-hmm. guess, yeah. in a way. So that's yeah. fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Turning something that's horrible and negative into something of compassion and uh, a positive outlook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think art is kind of known for that anyway. Yeah. Like you can sometimes take some really dark, serious struggles and put them in art and maybe even add some beauty to the ugly, I guess, mm-hmm. in life. I, I agree. I, <laughs> I'm all in favor of art and music. I think those two things bring people together, and it's a great combination to have. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's been a lot of fun for me to just find little, I, my newest project, and maybe I shouldn't talk about it because I don't even know how it's going to work out or if it's going to work out, but a friend of mine um, she was like, Hey, I have this bucket of glass that was, um, I think it was broken shards from the Murrah building mm-hmm. bombing from windows in the Murrah building. And her sister was a survivor. And so, um, her sister didn't want it. She didn't know what to do with it. it she was like, it seems like something is something should happen with this. And somebody had tumbled it. So all the sharp edges are rounded. So I'm like, immediately I was thinking, I don't know, I think we should do it like a community art piece where Mm. people could just each take one of those little pieces and mosaic that into something. So I'm hoping I can partner with the museum and try to figure something out to where people can make a big heart or maybe the survivor tree or something out of all these little pieces, piece them together and make something wow. out of it. That's amazing. So I this last year sometime we had a, uh, he retired now, uh, Chris Fields. Uh-huh. So he's on the cover carrying that baby out. Oh, but his, yes. Him and his yeah. squad were one of the first fire engines to that call. Uh-huh. You guys can collaborate and something oh together. yeah, yeah. That I'll, would I'll be connect amazing. you guys okay i'll connect that would you be awesome. uh, chris fields he's he's an amazing guy just like you're an amazing girl yeah so. it was so interesting well thank you <laughs> it was so interesting you know i got that bucket and i didn't realize how just having it would feel it feels like i have something sacred in my mm-hmm. possession yeah. like something needs to happen with it yeah well, you have the personality, you have the heart. Your heart, you know, it's it's big. 
Thank you. Well, that's the probably the best compliment I could get. Thank you. Yeah. Well, awesome. <laughs> and that's how I feel when this, yeah. just listening to you and just meeting you for the first time. This is great. Awesome. Yeah. Now I don't. I don't know what to talk about now, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you went from listening to a guest speaker at OU to following her to be a student. She's your. She was your mentor. She became a friend. You guys worked together. Opened went to private practice, and you are obviously super accomplished. In three words, how would you describe her? Oh, my mentor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Three words. That's hard. Creative. This is too many words, but a force to be reckoned with. And I'm going to go funny. You know, she was a lot of different things to me. And but at this point in life, I. I kind of hold her friendship the closest. She's passed away now. Right, right. So, um, but a lot of times I still think about, you know, what would she say about this or how would she do this? And yeah, so was, she's still a big leadership role in my life even now. So that was, yeah. I was going to ask you if you could sit here with her right now, what would the conversation be like? Um, well, I'd want to know about where she's at. Yeah. <laughs> That's the conversation. <laughs> I feel like, what's it like there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I, you know, I hope that she feels like I'm continuing, um, her legacy in a way. I, I will say I did do a legacy thing for her. I have this free little art gallery, you know, the free little libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. when I lived in Norman, I had it in front of my house and people could just go by and take little pieces of art out. And it, it was really fun. Like, um, one of my neighbors around the corner did, uh, fused glass art and he'd put some of his art in there sometimes. And just other people, sometimes kids would put stuff they made in there. So it became a community, like they take art, they leave art. One guy even drove from Colorado and uh, left a little bracelet he had made and took a piece of art. And so it was just really fun to connect with people in that way. So then I moved to Yukon and my neighborhood is just different. And it I didn't get, you know, I told you there's a lot of foot traffic in my neighborhood and bus stops nearby. Mm -hmm. It's just not that kind of thing in Yukon. And so now it's a Lakeview Market. And so it's at a public kind of farmer's market and petting zoo kind of place. And that's been really fun to see how this community interacts with it. But on my little free little art gallery, it says um, that it's an honor of Joan Phillips and my dad. Um, My dad was a wood carver. So they're kind of my two favorite artists. Yeah. So now that starting to make sense too your dad was a wood artist and yeah you you are where you are so he played a big role and he did yeah and honestly i see my mom as an artist too Mm -hmm. not a visual artist but a storyteller she was always a really good writer um so i feel like both my parents were creative um and that that was always supported and appreciated Mm -hmm. in our family to be creative okay yeah yeah 
What are a couple questions you wish people would ask Chris Newland, but no one ever asked? <laughs> oh, man. It, it's not a question, really. But I wish people would realize that everyone is creative. I guess this is my bias, but I really do believe we are all creative in some way. Mm. Even if you're not going to label yourself as an artist, most people are creative in the kitchen or they're creative thinkers. They think outside of the box, they're solution focused, they're, um, or they're creative in how they dress, they're creative in <laughs> what <laughs> tattoos they choose, or um, there's just so many different ways to be yeah. creative, so many creative expressions, but a lot of people wouldn't say, I'm creative. But I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I first met you earlier today, I could say that you're creative because your glasses, oh. your hair, and your J's, and your overalls too, actually. <laughs> you think about that. Yeah, I try to put it out there. Yeah. I, just, I don't want to do false advertising. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. younger kids would say, oh, obvi, right? <laughs> Obvious. <laughs> the other day, I was going to do a workshop, and I was trying to figure out to, what to wear in my my husband like pointed something out and I was like, no, that's not funky enough. And he was like, you don't have to dress funky. And I'm like, who are you talking to? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> I absolutely do. Yeah, so, that's yeah. great. If you're sitting in my chair, what would you ask yourself? What would I ask myself? Um, uh, why haven't I done the things I really, really want to do? <laughs> that's that's probably, your answer. <laughs> probably fear. Um, Really? Yeah. So I think what I want to do next is, and I think this kind of got shook out in the pandemic, the ways I deal with my own stress and mental health and just um, when life gets out of balance, what pulls me out is nature and art. And so at some point, I would like to take what I do in counseling out of a counseling office and out into nature and do kayaking with people and hiking and and then go back to the art studio and process but i haven't figured out how to do that yet so that's that's the next creative solution to come up with is how to make that happen you should make that happen. I should make that happen. A hundred percent because yeah. I, that is amazing what you just. Yeah. I, I, I've already designed a logo. I have the name. I just got to figure out how to launch it. So that's, but I do feel like um, we saw it that people were so drawn out into nature mm -hmm. whenever the world got really weird and, mm -hmm. um, and scary for people. So I, and I think more people need that as we lose more and more of um, nature and urban areas. I think people need to find that space to get quiet and to find peace. And yeah. Well, my next question you're going to answer, I'm going to ask it anyway. So, okay. <laughs> what would you regret not doing in the next five oh. years if you didn't do it? What would I regret not doing? That's a good question. See, I don't like regret. So, um, so I tend to get an idea and jump on it. But this one I've been, you know, kind of holding on to for a while. I tell you, I lived out one thing that I, I knew if I didn't give it a shot, I would regret it. So 
Um, I just recently went back into private practice, but we moved from Norman to Yukon. And that year after I moved, I tried to just live life as an artist for one year. Mm. Now that wasn't going to pay any bills whatsoever. So I'm glad my <laughs> husband had his steady paycheck. Um, but I'm glad I did it <laughs> because I, I have a really hard time claiming that title of artist that feels kind of, you know, I, I find it much easier to say I'm an art therapist, mm. but to walk up and just say, I'm an artist. <laughs> I don't really do that. I, it feels too grandiose for me, but it really helped me kind of come into my own as an artist to really live that life for one year yeah. and just put myself out there as an artist. And it was interesting. And I, I got a lot of cool opportunities because I was seeking them out and yeah, yeah like the Paseo grant. And I, I tried things that I hadn't done before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a cool area too. The yeah. Paseo and the Plaza. Oh, it's so area. cool. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, it's hard to be an artist. Um, you really, I think most artists really, kind of put unless they're really just trying to make art to sell and they're kind of they've commercialized their art most artists are really putting a piece of themselves out there when they're displaying their art at a gallery or um you know exhibiting at a craft fair or wherever they are um it it's really a piece of them mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of vulnerability to yeah to putting your art out there and then hearing people walk by it and yeah <laughs> my I, kid could do that no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you so what's so interesting about that is you hear people like oh well i could have done that but really they could not have because art it, there's something special about it mm -hmm. there's something special about it well and the interesting thing is sometimes they could copy it but they didn't think of it. 100%. And that is where the creative energy is, is that somehow they looked at something that everybody else has looked at, but they did it differently because they saw it differently or they felt it differently mm -hmm. and they put that in their artwork. So a lot of times when someone walks by and they're saying, I, well, I could do that, but you didn't. Correct. This person did. So, you know, and that, I think that's the difference, too, is sometimes artists have put something out there in a way that's visually just interesting and different than anything you've seen before. Right. Even if you could do it also, they put it out there first. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so. that's so true. And, and I know this podcast is about you, but I have to share one quick story. Oh, I want to hear it. As an artist, not me, obviously, but. I proposed to my wife in the Plaza District in an art museum. Really? The artist, I love uh, that. Chasm Contemporary or something like that. But he, I went and talked to him. I was like, hey, I want to propose to my wife. I'll rent out this uh, art museum for an hour. And he's like, this one's on me. So he's, yeah. it's giving me chills. He let <laughs> me propose to my wife. He opened it up early on a Sunday afternoon. So I went yeah. to work. Took a couple hours off, told my CFO, hey, I got to go propose. I mean, I had to go, <laughs> but he didn't know what I was doing. So proposed my wife in that art museum. And what, what drew you to that spot? What was it? The, the peacefulness of it. Yeah. The, the colors, the different forms of art, whether it was a painting or whether it was a sculpture made out of a, 
uh, oil field material. Yeah. Yeah. And I was drawn I to it. I love this so much. And I was like, that, this is where I want to be. And oh, my it wife makes sense art. to me. Well, because you're about to create a new life together. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to be yeah. surrounded by why why didn't I why didn't my husband why didn't Mitch Newland think of that? Well, Mitch. No, I mean, no pressure, but maybe you need to like you know, we could renew our something proposal. Bro. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> I mean, he just threw the gauntlet down, so I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, I did a little piece on that uh, today, but that's for another day. I'll explain to you later. I love that, though. I'm yeah. so glad you shared that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, it was awesome of him to just open it. Yeah. Right? And I really let yeah. us be there. For the In the moment. name of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, there you go. Yeah, super that's cool. It's a good reason to do something. Super cool. <laughs> super cool guy, too. So what are you most proud of? Oh, probably my kids, honestly. Um, you know, last year when the Paseo feast that's coming up, it's a cool deal where people pay to go to a dinner and then um, you get to vote. They have five finalists and you get to vote for someone to be the recipient of the Paseo Arts and Creativity Grant, right? So last year the MC said, hey, who in this room considers themselves an artist? And it brought tears to my eyes to know that both of my kids raised their hands. Oh. Um, and that, I, I'm proud of them. They're, I, they're both very, very different people. And my son's 19. My daughter's 13. Um, my daughter is a lot like me. And she's a visual artist. And I think she'll probably, I mean, maybe she's already surpassed me, but she'll. She'll be a brilliant yeah. artist. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your proudest moment when they both raised their hand. I, you know, it was definitely a tender awesome. moment. I love that they both see themselves as artists. Yeah. 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 If you were to write a book about yourself, what would the title <laughs> of that book be? Um, I probably wouldn't write a book about myself, but um, one time I did a little <laughs> drawing and a journal and I think that would be the cover and title of my book. It was a self-portrait and I had like seven hats on. (laughs) And it said, of all the hats I wear, my head is still the same. Um, I feel like I do a lot of juggling in life. Like, you know, homeschool my daughter. I'm an LPC and an art therapist, but I'm also a mixed media artist. and. Um, I also kind of still think of myself as a teacher, so I like to do workshops and conferences and teach other counselors who maybe aren't even art therapists, but they want to be more creative in their work with their clients. So I just like when somebody is like, what do you do? It's kind of hard for me to even say Mm -hmm. and prioritize like, what title should I leave off, you know, this conversation with, but there's the title of my book i love it of all the hats i wear my head is still the same that's a good one is it yeah, yeah. okay you, know, you should yeah think about writing a book i don't that's i only have that page though just the cover <laughs> draw some pictures <laughs> yeah yeah i could draw in it well that's interesting because being a teacher is not only a skill but is an art because alluding back to the conversation about 40 minutes ago you talked about just listening 
that's mm-hmm. an art in itself. Right. And see, I think with teaching, it is. I, I don't really see it as a one-sided thing when you're teaching. I, I see it as um, more symbiotic than that. Like you're going to learn from who you're teaching mm-hmm. and it's going to change how you teach. And it, it's just, I, I see it as a relationship. That's one of the things I loved about teaching at OU and why I did it for so long is because I learned so much from my students mm-hmm. and um, and it was just an interesting experience. There are students on OU's campus from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, every class was a multicultural yeah. experience and just, um, you know, lots of different points of view and perspectives. And it was really cool to have that little slice going on in the classroom to really talk about how do you honor different people's perspectives and feelings because that happens when you're working with families or groups or Mm -hmm. how does everybody get their voice heard? How do you honor when people see things really differently and feel very passionately about things, but from opposite places? Sure. Yeah. So. How do you deal with that when people are totally opposite of you, your view? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, So I like to use a tool that I call compassionate curiosity. Mm. So when I'm trying to understand someone, that is what I'm trying to do is understand someone. I think sometimes people get in trouble because they're not really trying to understand the other person. They're trying to get their point across. Right. And, and so, um, compassionate curiosity is suspending judgment. Oh, I don't want to break my coffee cup. Um, It's suspending judgment, not trying to think of what am I going to say when there's a break in the conversation? When do I get to, you know, get a word in edgewise? It's really just quietly and very attentively and curiously, but with compassion, listening, being invested. I really want to understand. How come you feel this way? How do you see it that way? Where are you coming from on that? Mm. Um, How long have you felt that way? When did you start feeling that way? I mean, it's just real curiosity, genuine curiosity. I love it. Yeah. It could, it helps soften a lot of conversations. Yeah. Um, If you can kind of really hold on to that. (laughs) Compassionate curiosity. Compassionate curiosity. Well, Kyle, remind me if that's going to be the title of this episode. Compassionate curiosity. Okay, cool. Yeah. What do you think? I like it. We Let's just, do it. Yeah, we just found the uh, title. Of it. I'm so glad the title wasn't Chris broke her brand new coffee cup. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been the end of the uh, discount for our store. Oh, man. <laughs> man. <sighs> I'm glad it got saved then. Yeah. So how do you want to be remembered? Oh, uh, for compassionate curiosity. <laughs> um. You know, that is interesting. I turned 50 this year. Okay. (laughs) And so, honestly, that's a question that's kind of been pulling at me. Like, hey, any way you slice it, you're pretty much half done on this earth, you know? Like, I'll kind of go with, you asked me how to describe Joan. I hope that people would describe me as loving, creative, and fun. 
<laughs> if people remember me those three ways, I'm gonna, I, I hope that that's a life well lived. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I was thinking late 30s, I think 50. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just go with that then. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. How do our uh, crowd listen to, or not listen to you, but they're gonna listen to you on the podcast, but how do they get in touch with you? Um. Well, I'm in private practice at Bethany Counseling Center. So that's where I do counseling. Social yeah. media, you're on your social media? Oh, I'm on your Instagram. I am on Instagram. Okay. I forget about these things. Yeah. Maybe it's the 50 year old thing. <laughs> um, it's at, and I I didn't know much about Instagram when I did this. So it's like the worst Instagram handle ever. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's like at, and then the little underscore, and then lost, underscore, and underscore, found underscore studio that's terrible it's i guess you're supposed to make it like real easy for people to find yeah no but it's lost and found art studio with a bunch of underscores between each word okay we'll so. have to get that on our show notes so <laughs> yeah. that the the crowd can follow you are you on uh twitter or no, x no no I'm just not, instagram just instagram facebook yeah. yeah i'm on facebook okay yeah <laughs> okay so Bethany Counseling Center? Yeah. I gotta talk to you about that uh, after off the air. But oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I've only been there for about a month, but I'm I'm really liking it. It's been good. Okay. Last question. Okay. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh, come oh on. Gosh. Why are we gonna limit life <laughs> by like hating on pineapples? That's not right. <laughs> you, here's how you do it though. Like I'm mainly I don't eat meat that often, I'm kind of mainly a vegetarian, okay. but I, I have to say pineapple, a little Canadian bacon and jalapenos, that's it's kind of a flavor festival right there. I mean, uh, I don't know how that's wrong in life. <laughs> I'm out on that, but our good friend Mike Ackerman might be in on that. So okay. he's one of our sponsors. He's, he's a sponsor. He's a thumbs up for pineapples. Yeah. 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 I love pineapples. Kyle? He's out. Wong's uh, out. Okay. Well, hey, out. more pineapples for the rest of us, <laughs> you know, whatever. There's not going to be a shortage, I guess. So that's cool. I love it. Well, thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah. This was awesome. Yeah, this was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I did too. Yeah. Great stuff. I'm going to stand. I won't be seated. Hold my head up high, stay undefeated Define any moments on this part Cause I'm American by the grace of my good God I'm American by the grace of my good God